You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can win the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL for FanRag Sports, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers, and you can find all of the episodes and more at LockedOnPackers.com. It is Tuesday, but not Expert Tuesday because, well, because too much went on in the NFL on Monday. Apparently, the NFL was sick of of playing second fiddle on the sports soap opera ratings to the NBA. It was insane leading up to the NFL trade deadline on Tuesday, and, and not just because there were trades. The biggest story was about a player who isn't changing teams, just won't be playing for the next six weeks, and that's Ezekiel Elliott. A judge vacated the stay that had been on the NFL's punishment of Ezekiel Elliott, the six-game suspension that he was facing. This is down the line of a number of contests to this original NFL suspension. And it's not over. There are still appeals. There are still things that can happen. By the time you're listening to this, something could have happened. There's there's more to, to still take place here. And it seems to change by the minute. But this has far-reaching implications for the NFC, particularly in the wild card, because the Cowboys, I think it's safe to say, barring, barring craziness, was they were unlikely to catch the Eagles, although they do have two games against the Eagles left on their schedule. But this week, they had the Chiefs, then it was at Atlanta, home for Philly, home for, home for the Chargers, home for Washington, at New York, at the Raiders, home for the Seahawks at Philly in Week 17. Hard to see them not dropping at least three, if not four of those games. And the Eagles just aren't going to collapse down the stretch so long as Carson Wentz is healthy and that front four is healthy. So that means six games would be Chiefs at Falcons, Philly, Los Angeles, Washington, and at New York. They're certainly going to be favored in plenty of those games. But Kansas City is one of the best teams in football. Philadelphia might be the best team in football. Atlanta on the road is going to be tough. And this Chargers defense is legit. And without their running game, it's going to be a difficult matchup for the Cowboys. So I know Packer fans are are always happy to enjoy Dallas Cowboy misery. There is high levels of schadenfreude there. If for no other reason than it's nice to see a rival have some misfortune. Now, I'm not ascribing to that belief. I'm not I'm not agreeing with that. I'm just saying that there are people who are going to believe that, who are going to feel that way. I think it's unfortunate that one of the league's superstars can't seem to stay out of his own way. Do I feel bad for the Cowboys? No, I don't feel bad for the Cowboys. I feel bad that, that Ezekiel Elliott continues to put himself in these positions. And you can feel however you want to feel about whether the suspension was warranted, Six games felt like a lot of games to, to some people. But we're talking about multiple instances, and the commissioner has broad discretion to hand out 
suspensions as he sees fit. Now, the other big move as it relates to the NFC playoff picture, because there were other other big moves, other stuff happened, that's why this is nuts, is the Seahawks traded for Dwayne Brown. I hope he just stayed in, in Seattle. Because the, the Seahawks played Houston on Sunday in an absolute thriller. By far the game of the year, Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson were absolutely incredible. Deshaun Watson has made everyone who did not take a quarterback ahead of him look silly for not doing that. Including the Chicago Bears, by the way. Mitch Trubisky has has not looked, God, a third as exciting, as competent, as thrilling, as, as exciting, it's worth repeating, as Deshaun Watson. But this was the biggest hole on the Seahawks team, the offensive line. And Reese Odiambo got destroyed by Jadavion Clowney in that game. And it just, Russell Wilson happens to be a magician, so it didn't matter. But this was an enormous shortcoming in the Seahawks' plan. And for a team that was going to have to face the Eagles in the playoffs, potentially... Maybe the Falcons and Vic Beasley, maybe Cameron Jordan in New Orleans. They needed to shore up the left side of the offensive line. Frankly, they needed to shore up the right side of the offensive line. But they were able to get Dwayne Brown, who was in the midst of an ugly holdout with the Texans. He had just gotten back and played for the first time all season. Now he's going to go to Seattle. And I don't know if I would say that the, the balance of power has shifted. I think the Eagles are still clearly the best team in the NFC. But this makes the Seahawks better. And against a very good defense on Sunday, they did not need any help getting better. Now, maybe this adds a little juice to the run game. They desperately need that. Thomas Rawls and Eddie Lacy combined for 12 attempts and minus one yard against the Texans. Speaking of things that that could be schadenfreude for Packers fans. The Seahawks' ability to protect Russell Wilson and their ability to run the football were two of the biggest, most glaring weaknesses on this team, and, and they may have just helped take a step towards solving both of those problems. Now, is it solved? We, Dwayne Brown might not be in shape. He certainly had some issues with the Seahawks pass rushers, but everyone has issues with the Seahawks pass rushers. They're really good, so there's no need to overreact to that. But the Seahawks are 5-2. and two. They're tied for the top of their division with the Rams. The Rams look poised to take a playoff spot. As a wild card in a weak division, although maybe it's slightly less weak, we're going to get to that. But I've got to believe one of the, well, before the Ezekiel Elliott suspension, I believed that one of the wild cards was coming out of the NFC East because I thought Washington or Dallas would, would get to nine or ten wins. And I thought the Rams had it, had the inside track out West. Now, I think a team like Atlanta or Carolina could could end up being the team in the South, though I think the Saints are the best team in that division. This makes things complicated for the Packers because they're four and three. They're right in the middle of it. We talked about it yesterday. They are still in the thick of the NFC playoff race, but they are going to have to win games. They are not going to be able to back in like they did in 2013. Can't go eight, seven, and one and expect to make the playoffs this year. And that starts with beating Detroit on Monday. This team is seven and one in its last eight games coming off a bye with three wins over the Lions. That one loss was the, the infamous 2015 game against the, the Broncos, Aaron Rodgers, inarguably the worst game of his career. Aaron Rodgers not going to be on the field Monday for that to happen, but that's not a comfort in this case because Brett Hundley's on the field. 
And so Mike McCarthy is going to have to scheme up ways to make him more successful. I, I, I Every time I turn on an NFL game, I watch it wondering why their offense seems to look more creative than the one the Packers run. And I understand that the offense is, is predicated on execution. They are very much like the Seattle Seahawks defense in that they're not going to trick anyone with what they're going to do. They just think they can execute it better than you. And they had the best player on planet Earth to make up for any deficiencies when they couldn't. But here's what's crazy. Against single high safeties the entire game against the Saints, the Packers rushed the hell out of the ball. Even And I had someone bring this up on Twitter. Even without the Aaron Jones run, the Packers averaged almost six yards a carry on the ground. Mike McCarthy has to be able to design an offense that can work if the running game is going to be that good, even against eight-man boxes. Brett Hundley is a good player, or can be. He is talented. I know he's talented. I don't know if he's good. I know he's talented. We're going to see if he's good, and Mike McCarthy has to give him the opportunity to be. This is his chance. This is his chance to, to shine. This is his chance to prove he can be a starting quarterback in the NFL. Bucky Brooks told me two weeks ago he thought Brett Hundley could be a starter, not just a high-level backup. Well, two Sundays ago against the Saints, he did not look like a high-level backup. So we're going to see what the plan is. I'm excited to see what the plan is. It was hard for me to watch football over the weekend because I'm going, I want to watch the Packers. I want to see what Mike McCarthy is going to do. I want to see how Brett Hundley plays. I want to see this defense healthy. I was encouraged by how the secondary played particularly in man-covered situations, I'm not going to stop beating that drum. But Demarius Randall is really enjoying playing in the slot. Devon House, among corners who have played at least 25% of snaps, at least before this week, was number one in quarterback rating when targeted. Then Jimmy Smith went out and had a pick six against Matt Moore and played really well against the, the Dolphins, so now he's number one. But Devon House is now number two. He's been very good this year. For those who want to complain about Ted Thompson, and I understand the frustrations in the past, any criticism you could level against Ted Thompson in the past about not being aggressive enough, going after free agents and improving this team cannot be said about this season. Goes out and gets Devon House, a solid starting corner. Goes out and gets the tight end everyone wanted, Martellus Bennett and Lance Kendricks, who is good and should be playing more. I say it every week, it seems. Signed Ahmad Brooks, who is a solid NFL outside linebacker. A solid rotational pass rusher. Not going to change your team, but he's solid. Signed Quentin Dial, who is a legitimate NFL player. And Ricky Jean-Francois, ditto. He went out and made this team better, and they haven't performed up to that standard. Now, again, if Rodgers was on this team, maybe we're not having that discussion. Maybe we're not as concerned about the talent around Rodgers. But I see teams, especially defensively, do more with less talent. This team is talented, and it needs to start playing like a talented team. Another 2-7-1 performance with Rodgers out should cause concern to the point of changes need to be made. Because the Packers have not had a defense resembling a quality defense in, I mean, we're coming up on 10 years. 2009, 2010, right in there. There have been some okay units mixed in in the interim. But the last time they were really good, Charles Woodson was a Packer. 
That's how long ago it was. Brett Hundley was in high school. Now, all that being said, the last thing that I want to talk about is a trade that I know, I know, it's going to be, it's going to be talk radio segments. There's going to be fan comments. There's going to be JS commenter is going to tweet about it because someone is going to say it. I just know someone is going to say it. And not just someone, there's going to be a lot of people who say it. The San Francisco 49ers traded a second round pick for Jimmy Garoppolo. And there are going to be Packer fans who think that Green Bay should have done it, that they should have traded a second round pick for Jimmy G. No. Let me say it again. Unequivocally, no. They should not have done that. And let's just start with the first thing. First things first, Jimmy Garoppolo does not give the Packers a better chance to win than Brett Hundley. He doesn't. Because he doesn't know this offense. And if you're going to tailor the offense to a quarterback, do it with a quarterback whose skills you know intimately and who has been in your system for two and a half, three years. This is year three. So best case scenario, maybe he's up to speed in two, three weeks. And then at the end of the season, he's going to go off and he's going to sign a huge contract. And you had to give up a second round pick for five productive weeks of Jimmy Garoppolo. There's just no situation in which that makes any sense for Green Bay. Unless you think he can win you a Super Bowl, you can't do it. You can't do it. I don't think the 49ers should have done it. Now, they had some draft capital that they had accrued. They had cap space. You you assume that they think that Jimmy Garoppolo is the quarterback of their future, although it had been reported for months that it was Kirk Cousins, that he was the quarterback of their future. Either way, 49ers passed on Deshaun Watson multiple times. Could have had him at two, could have had him at three. And now they gave up a second-round pick and are going to have to pay Garoppolo $70, $80 million off an eight-game sample size. Jimmy Garoppolo had played one game start to finish in the NFL. One game. And Brian Burke, who does a lot of really smart statistical analysis for ESPN, basically determined that he had not, he being Jimmy Garoppolo, had not attempted enough passes for it to be statistically significant compared to a rookie. He was basically a 25-year-old rookie. That was what you were trading for. But he had been in a Bill Belichick offense and learned at the heels of Tom Brady, so that meant he had to be good because that worked out so well for Matt Castle and Brian Hoyer and Ryan Mallett and Jacoby Brissett and all of the guys who came before him that looked so much better when they were in New England than they did outside of New England. Because guess what? The common denominator is they were in New England. The Patriots maximize their talent better than any team in football maybe ever. Bill Belichick is the greatest coach in NFL history. Period. Full stop. End of story. He is prickly. He's kind of a dick. But he is a hell of a football coach. No, the Packers should not have traded for Jimmy Garoppolo. No. 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 Can you tell what I think about the idea of the Packers trading for Jimmy G? No! This team is good enough to win games. It is. It's talented enough to win games. So that leaves us with two things that need to happen. The players need to execute it. They need to play better. Ha ha, Clinton Dix needs to play better. He was a Pro Bowl player last year, hasn't been this year. 
Clay Matthews needs to be more impactful as a pass rusher. He needs to play better. Kevin King, I know he's a rookie. You got to play better. Last week was brutal. I know Drew Brees is Drew Brees, but it's not like that's the greatest show on turf set of receivers. Randy Moss was not on that field. Can't get taken to the cleaners anymore. Coming off a bye now, it's week nine. The rookie stuff is done. Josh Jones needs to get back to being a playmaker. His first game in the NFL against the Bengals, he looked out of this world good. And he has been good, by the way. He's been excellent in man coverage. He rallies to the ball. He's going to make mistakes. He takes some bad angles. But the Packers need him to make plays. They need him to be an impact tackler. They need him to get they need him to get his hands on the football. And obviously we know Brett Hundley needs to play better. Brett Hundley knows he needs to play better. Everyone does. Everyone in the organization spent the last week and is going to spend the next week trying to maximize Brett Hundley. They cannot play scared in the second half and to, and really to open the game, although it worked for that first drive. But in the second half, Green Bay played not to lose. It's, t- it's too late for that. There is no more playing not to lose. Mike McCarthy has to be more aggressive, has to be freer with Brett Hundley. I mean, I watch Andy Reid. Alex Smith is running a college offense. John Gruden on Monday night couldn't couldn't stop talking about the college offense. And and they've got a million plays in the playbook, and Alex Smith is a, is a veteran player. He's a smart guy. He's been in the league for 10 years. So you can put more on his plate. I get that. But Andy Reid has made the game easier for him because they play spread. The game is it's all out in front of you. You get to see. The defense has to declare what they're doing. Now, I expect Mike McCarthy to come out with a good plan. But I expected him to come out with a good plan against the Saints, and he didn't. The players the Packers need to be a competitive team in the NFC, to be a playoff team in the NFC, they're all on the roster. They don't need to go out and shop. They don't need to go get anyone. Would Martavis Bryant make this offense fun? Sure. Would T.Y. Hilton make this offense fun? Absolutely. Do they need those players to be a good offense? No. They need the players on this team to play better. And it seems like around this time we have this conversation every year because things look a little wonky and the Packers are 4-3 and three and then they have a bye week and things get figured out and they go, on the, they go on a run late in the season and they win a bunch of games in November and December. That has to be where you, you put your faith right now in this team. As history says, they're going to play better in the second half. And not just the run the table. I mean, this has been true of, of Mike McCarthy teams his entire career in Green Bay. We don't need to be talking about changes to coaching, to personnel, to anything. We need we have to talk about executing better. And I think there just needs to be some some better adaptations to skills. I the, the plays are in the playbook. Mike McCarthy has got a play sheet that looks like Andy Reid's. Just it's just the creativity is not the same. And that's okay, by the way. You don't have to be a creative offense to be a good offense. But you have to be more effective play calling. You have to you have to get your players in optimal situations to succeed. And your players have to execute the hell out of your, your play calls. The Packers were really subpar quarterback play away from beating the Saints. I know that the final score doesn't indicate it. But the receivers were open. The offensive line blocked. The running backs did their job. The defense created two turnovers. If Brett Hundley just plays average, 
just decent. If he just plays Case Keenum, they win. They were winning. They were winning at halftime. They spent most of this game winning. One of the things I was really impressed with was twice in that game, the Saints scored, once to take the lead, and the Packers came up with drives to score their own. They answered. One was a touchdown, one was a field goal. The best drive of the game was an answer drive. It's in there. The plays are in the playbook. Mike McCarthy just has to call them. I'm writing about it this week. There was a drive, and I, I, I talked about it last week, and I never wrote the piece because there was just so much other stuff to write about. But there was a drive in in the first half where it all came together, and, and Brett Hundley did all of the things that you look at and you say, that's why this offense can be good. This offense can be good. It just, it needs to be. And it's not right now. All right, Chris Burke is going to be here tomorrow, formally of Sports Illustrated with me and now at The Athletic, doing important work for quality journalism. We're going to have Ed Fang later in the week. And we are finally going to get to some Packers, Lions, NFL action. It seems like the Packers haven't played in weeks. And part of that is because a lot's happened. A lot has happened and a lot more is going to happen. Which means you need to stay locked on Packers.